couple housekeeping things before we dive into the message today. First, I want to let you know that uh, Pastor Brennan, as of January 1st, moved from a 30-hour-a-week role to full-time. He's taken on uh, the lion's share of uh, graphics, promotions, uh, along with the new live stream ministry as we look to the future. Uh, there's just much vision for ministry and outreach in these areas. So I wanted you to be aware of this and also to take the opportunity to remind you that it's your generous giving of your tithes and offerings uh, to God through the ministry of, of this local church that makes a move like that possible. So thank you uh, so much for your faithful uh, giving to God through the gospel work of Eaglemont. I also wanna thank Brendan for his excellent work during these challenging months. Um, of what, it, what it's been uh, moving into online ministry that will continue on into the future to help us reach people for Christ and also his serving heart that I'm so grateful to be able to say that every one of our Eaglemont staff display consistently a serving heart. And that, of course, is just so Christ-honoring and uh, uh, just, I, I just value that so much, of course, on our, on our team. Then a word about small groups briefly, which has always been a vital part of who we are as a church. And so please put Sunday, uh, January 31st on your calendar as our small group sign up launch day. Uh, of course, for us to be able to offer small groups, small group leaders are needed. And I, I wanna thank all of you who have ever, in the Eaglemont family, who have ever stepped up to lead or co-lead a small group. You've invested significantly in the lives of people by doing so. Uh, today I'm asking everyone in our Eaglemont family who's ever led a small group to prayerfully consider doing so for this next term. You can email Pastor Joel if you have questions. Uh, at this point, we don't know whether it'll be in-person groups, but if it's via Zoom, uh, we know it's not the same but it's certainly better than nothing and we need connection right now so much, um, probably more than ever. And so uh, maybe you wanna uh, ask you to uh, consider that. Uh, in case you're not aware, we do ask our small group leaders to be core team members. So if you're interested, sign up for the Core Course 101 membership session today at four o'clock. Uh, via Zoom. Uh, please register by noon today by going to eaglemont.info and clicking on the Core Course 101 button to register and then a Zoom link will be sent to you shortly before uh, 4 p.m. this afternoon. Well, today we dive into a very important 10-week series that I am absolutely convinced that the Holy Spirit uh, put on my heart to share with you in these coming weeks. One Kingdom Disciple. This is an introductory message, so kind of a general overview of the concept of New Testament discipleship. But as we begin, would you join me in this moment just to pause and make a conscious choice to say, God, please do whatever it is you need to do in my life through the teaching from your word in this series. So just encourage you to approach God's word with that posture today and in the weeks ahead, I'm, I'm asking you to um, also to make hearing these teachings each week uh, a, a top priority in your week throughout uh, the next uh, 10, uh, actually 11, because it's interrupted by the 24th, which is a, uh, a great day that we're uh, going to be focusing on um, mental health. And so don't miss that as well. As Christians, we can too easily live in Two kingdom, a two kingdom world. 
In other words, we, we have a desire to walk with Jesus, but we have this other kingdom, this other part of our life that we don't allow God to, uh, to lead or to transform. Uh, maybe it's some shady practice in our work life. Maybe it's how we consistently treat our spouse or our parents. Maybe it's that secret area of our life that grows in controlling us because we consistently yield to that temptation. Uh, maybe it's uh, it's something in our heart that only God sees, that uh, uh, maybe a heart that just covets and, and, and is always wanting more and never content. Uh, these are examples of other kingdoms. Patterns of living that need to be torn down so Jesus can be truly king in and over our lives. So, so the question is, what have you been holding on to that you need to repent of? That just means to turn away from and surrender to Jesus in order to become a one kingdom disciple. And there's actually no other type of disciple of Jesus. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will make the answer to that question clear to all of us as we move through this series where we look at the words of Jesus uh, and how he defined uh, what a disciple is week by week. And if you're not a Christ follower and you're you're, uh, exploring right now, uh, I commend you for your courage in doing that. And stay with us in this series because I I believe you'll, you'll gain some biblical understanding of the definition of what a Christian is. In the New Testament context, a, a disciple means learner, follower, apprentice are three great words. Jesus' emphasis for anyone who wants to be his disciple is not merely the initial decision, but it's really all about a continuing and deepening relationship of of surrender, of commitment, of obedience. And that's what he calls us uh, to right from the start, actually. Uh, but, But please know, I need you to hear this, that that message is not contradictory to the message that we, we preach and believe, uh, that we receive his, God's eternal gift of salvation by grace alone. We could never do enough to deal with our sin problem or to earn a place in heaven for ourselves. Absolutely, we're saved by grace, yet Jesus' call to follow him is definitely one that involves uh, complete surrender. As we begin, I want to take you to the last book of the New Testament. In Revelation 2 and 3, chapters 2 and 3, Jesus gives individual messages to seven churches. And to the church in the ancient city of Laodicea, his message was very sobering, actually. Uh, They were a church that had lost their passion for Jesus. So in Revelation 3, uh, these stern words come from Jesus to this group of people, his that, uh, that, that he loves so much uh, that he's willing to speak so directly to. He says, you are neither cold or hot. I wish you were either one uh, or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. It's graphic. What, what, a, what a statement that Jesus makes here. Being a one kingdom disciple where Jesus is truly king uh, over every area of our life will take us out of the lukewarm zone. I I recently had a young man uh, say to me with deep conviction, uh, he said, I don't wanna be a lukewarm Christian anymore. I mean, that, that made my week. Phenomenal statement. And it's a posture that will set that young man up to take hold of the life that is truly life, as Paul worded it with his young uh, apprentice uh, Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 19. That that, that life 
is the life of the one kingdom disciple, the life that is truly life, the life that all of us are, are, are seeking for. Dallas Willard, who uh, until he passed away in 2013, was philosophy professor at the University of Southern California and a committed disciple of Jesus and disciple maker. Some of you may know his uh, excellent books like uh, The Spirit of the Disciplines or Hearing God. Uh, several years ago, I sat in a large auditorium at a conference uh, with uh, 3,500 church leaders under the age of 35 with a few old guys like me sprinkled in. It's a great experience. We listened to Dallas Willard being interviewed about this topic of discipleship. It was just a phenomenal interview that I won't soon forget. And at the end of it, the whole crowd, the whole young crowd spontaneously stood to their feet and erupted in, I get emotion just thinking about it, in honor of this disciple of Jesus who has such a passion to reach others and disciple others for Jesus Christ and has done so, did so faithfully for so many decades. It was just, it was just moving. But you need, to, you need to read his book, uh, uh, The Great Omission, uh, about Jesus' essential teachings on discipleship. I encourage you to get the book and read it as we move through this series, actually. I think it would be just fantastic if you did that. Uh, you'll probably hear me quote, you will today and you will in the future weeks. Uh, this, this series is not based on that book, but that book is all about what this series is all about. Uh, and the words from Jesus that are the underlying foundation of this whole series, we see in Matthew 16, 24 to 26, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up, uh, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be? For someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? There's so much in there. We're going to be unpacking a good amount of that this, this, in this series. Well, in the introduction of that book, The Great Commission, Willard writes, there is an obvious great disparity between, on the one hand, the hope for life expressed in Jesus, found real in the Bible, and on the other hand, the actual day-to-day -day behavior, inner life, and social presence of most of those who now profess adherence to him or relationship with him. He, he's not being judgmental. He's assessing, I think, accurately much of what our Western Christianity looks like. There is an obvious disparity between, on the one hand, the hope for life expressed in Jesus, found real in the Bible, and on the other hand, the actual day-to-day -day behavior, inner life, and social presence of most of those who now profess adherence to him. He's, he's expressing concern about our Western and modern-day definition of what it means to be a Christian. He writes, the assumption today among professing Christians is that we can be Christians and never become disciples. He points out well that this is the great omission in the Great Commission. And if you're unfamiliar with the Great Commission, it's simply a reference to how we title uh, the paragraph of Jesus, the brief paragraph, uh, some of his last directives to his disciples before he ascended back to heaven after his mission on earth was complete. Uh, his Great Commission is found in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, where he said, go and make disciples of all nations, all people here and overseas, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's a key, key part of this whole deal. 
The, the disciple-making commission of Jesus obviously involves sharing the good news about Christ, uh, clearly, so people can understand that he is the only way to know the Father eternally, uh, and that is through trusting in Christ and what he did on the cross. But it's not, it's not merely to convince or to uh, convert people's thinking. Rather, it's, it's a call to life commitment, full life commitment, to, to full surrender of, of, of heart, mind, body, relationships, finances, future, everything. The great commission of Jesus to all of us who are his followers is then to make disciples, not merely intellectual converts. Because it's, it's it's possible to believe all the right truths, to have an intellectual understanding of who Jesus is and even be able to explain the way of eternal salvation and yet still not live in the way of Jesus as an apprentice of his. This one kingdom disciple life is, is letting Jesus sit on the throne and call the shots in my life, allowing him to truly be king over every aspect of my life. It's about me being a learner at his feet. It's me wanting more than anything to become increasingly like Jesus in my character, uh, in my thoughts, in my words, in my actions, my reactions, and, and living that way out of a fully surrendered heart. Uh, his deep love for me and my love for him being the motivation and God's word and the Holy Spirit providing the power to do so. Because I, I, I don't know about you, I think you're the same as me. I, I sure can't live that way in my own wisdom or my own strength. And so as an example then, I, I, I become convinced, completely convinced that growing in generosity is, a, is the best way to live because as I sit at Jesus' feet and learn from him and watch his life, I see that he's the most incredibly generous person ever. He, he gave his life. Uh, or uh, living as an apprentice of Jesus takes me to the place of, of being committed to being a forgiving person always because that's who Jesus is. Not, not to mention the, other, the only other option is to carry a, around the, the shackles and the, the weight of bitterness and resentment uh, all my life and, and that obviously is no good. So to name a couple examples there. Uh, again, I, I reference Willard. He points out that the word disciple occurs 269 times in the New Testament. Christian, the word Christian is found three times and was first introduced in Acts 11.26 when they referred to these disciples of Jesus um, that way because they realized they, they, they could not any longer be considered a mere sect of Judaism. There was something distinct and different. And of course, that was Jesus the Messiah. Uh, Willard makes the clear statement. He says, the New Testament is a book about disciples, by disciples, and for disciples of Jesus Christ. He also rightly reminds us that the disciple of Jesus is not some, you know, deluxe or supercharged Christian. There, there are not two categories, Christian and disciples. No, Jesus didn't call some to be Christians by name or association and others to be hardcore disciples. No, his call is one to discipleship for all of us. It's not optional. But Willard says that somehow uh, our Western church has made it seem like there are two uh, levels in Christianity, he puts it. And I think there's truth to that. 
As those who claim to be Christ followers, we need to see ourselves in this same category of allegiance to Jesus that the original disciples displayed, 11 of them at least. In other words, following him fully in in attitude, in surrender, in learning, in commitment, in obedience, and in full dependence upon the Holy Spirit's power to become like Jesus in in every aspect of of my character. And and just so you know, uh, I'm, I'm still a work in progress in that, as all of us are. Christian friend, does this describe your heart and your life patterns? Increasingly so, yeah, we've always got room to grow, of course. But does this, does this express your desire and the commitment you have made or, or want to make? No guilt with that question. It's just that this is actually where full surrender to Christ is actually where the joy and the contentment and the fulfillment that we're looking for in life is actually found. In his book, Not a Fan, uh, Pastor Kyle Eidelman asks three good questions, and I, uh, I'm asking you to honestly, along with myself, to honestly contemplate these questions relative to your life. And these are questions we can come back to periodically. I think it's a good pattern. You might want to write them down. First question is, are you merely a fan or are you a follower? It, do, you, do, you, do you simply admire Jesus? Or are you completely sold out to being like him in every aspect of your life? Question number two, have you made a decision or a commitment? A decision to to be a Christian or a commitment to surrender, uh, follow, love, and obey Jesus in every way, no matter what the cost is, no matter what it costs you. Good question. Third question, do you have knowledge about Jesus or intimacy with him in a committed relationship? Please know that I'm not being judgmental by asking these questions. They're they're important questions that really just jump out uh, off the page uh, throughout the New Testament. Jesus Jesus asks us these because because of how he defines a one-kingdom disciple. They're questions we need to ask ourselves today. As we conclude, let's come back to the words of Jesus in the Great Commission, go and make disciples, the key phrase. In his little book, uh, If Jesus, our uh, general superintendent of our PAOC fellowship, Dave Wells, begins the chapter about developing disciples with these words. Anyone who wants to know and be like Jesus will be passionate about making disciples. During his years of ministry, Jesus focused a large portion of his time and energy on building a community of spirit-empowered followers uh, who, who would love God and love others. Those two simple markers of a Christ follower. And if you've been around Eaglemont for any length of time, you've heard those words from my lips many, many times. They are referred to as the great commandment of Jesus, to love God and love people. It's, it's, those things are the, the aim and the purpose of a true disciple who, who is a disciple maker, which, again, we're all called to be. Uh, to to consistently grow in loving God and loving people. It's not complicated, not always easy, for sure, but, but it's not complicated. Superintendent Wells adds this. He says, to call myself a Christ follower but not be reproducing his life and love in other people 
is a contradiction. That's so true. As I conclude, I want to share this story from, uh, I referenced uh, Not a Fan book already. Pastor Eidelman shares this. He says he was speaking in Houston, Texas one time, and a large man, he said, with a, a large belt buckle, Texas, remember, approached him with tears in his eyes. Eidelman writes, this man began to tell me the story of his prodigal daughter who went away to college and totally turned her back on her Christian faith. As soon as he started the story, I knew how it would go. I've heard it so many times, even the details seem predictable. But when he finished, he didn't ask me why she was doing this or what had gone wrong. He wasn't looking for an explanation. Instead, with one sentence, he put his finger on what he thought had happened. He honestly said, my wife and I raised our daughter in church, but we didn't raise her in Christ. Profound statement because there's a significant, a significant difference. What, what a sad statement in his honesty. He was saying that they, they raised her to look right on the outside, but didn't teach her about the inward issues, the heart issues of, of, of life surrender and, and trust in a daily walk and relationship with Jesus Christ. He was saying, we taught her to keep all the rules, but she never really had her own relationship with Jesus. In other words, she learned to be a fan instead of a follower. Before we hear uh, a new song, and uh, a fitting song given our topic today uh, from the worship team in a moment. I, I want to say that for those who are Christ followers already, there will be much that will challenge and inspire us in the weeks ahead through this series. And again, I, I, I humbly ask you to make uh, hearing these messages uh, a, a priority, these biblical teachings uh, a priority in your week. But there may be some listening to this message today and, and you've not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, but, but you want to. You maybe don't even totally understand what, 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 what that means. Let me just say to you that Jesus made the way for you to know God, your creator, eternally and in, in a personal relationship by his death and resurrection from the dead, proving his power over sin and death and everything that would keep you from God. He died on the cross and in doing so, he took God the Father's uh, righteous judgment for sin upon himself so you and I would not have to bear that penalty. He died so that we could go free and so that you and I could live eternally with him. And this begins with our repentance, uh, turning away from our old life, turning away from sin, uh, making the commitment of our, of our life and our heart and our mind and our future to Jesus Christ. And, and, and that doesn't have to be a scary thing because he created you. He, he knows you best and he loves you most, as I often say. It's so true. Commitment to Jesus Christ doesn't mean life will get easier. There's no promise of that at all. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. In other words, as we trust in him, he will carry us through safely into his eternity, into his eternal family. If you want to surrender to Jesus today, you can express something like this in your own words to God and he will hear your prayer. Father, I thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son Jesus to take upon himself the penalty for sin that belonged to me. 
Thank you, Jesus, for voluntarily, voluntarily coming and taking on that terrible, terrible experience and the, the pain of suffering, the penalty for sin. But, but thank you that you rose from the dead, victorious and, and proving your power over sin's eternal effect to keep me away from God. Thank you that you address that issue and I, I receive your gift of eternal salvation now because of what you did on the cross. Help me to follow you and serve you as now I take steps forward as a, as a new disciple of Jesus. I commit my life fully. Help me grow in this relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.